Hey guys, welcome back to the No Name Podcast. I'm here today with uh, Kyle Stortzum. Uh, he's a, what, what is your official title? Well, that just recently changed actually. I went from an area representative to now area director. Area director for FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about uh, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I'm glad to be here. Uh, FCA uh, has been around for a long time, you know, 60 some years and fellowship FCA stands for fellowship of Christian athletes. And, uh, it's been really cool through the years of how it's changed in discipling, uh, our communities through the avenue of sports. And so, um, to answer it briefly, and I'm sure we'll go deeper into it, but really it's using the vehicle of sports to share the gospel. Uh, and that's changed through the years because camps, which most people know FCA for are their camps primarily mm. is an opportunity for kids to come together to learn more about their sport, but also how faith, how Christ wants to be a part of that sport. Uh, so camps have always been a large part, but we've then transitioned through the years to be more of like small group uh, mm-hmm. opportunities for students, which are still exist as well as camps. Uh, but now we're moving on. We're realizing that the major influencer in kids' lives through sport is their coaches. Yeah. And so we're working primarily individually and also in groups of coaches continuing to share the gospel and helping them you know, believe and then ultimately live that out with everyone that they influence. Awesome. So I want to, um, I want to first just touch on a little bit of what that job looked like for you, right? Because you haven't been, uh, he hasn't been a director for FCA for like all of his life, right? No. And so, um, I guess what led you to the decision to actually, uh, come on with FCA because yeah. it's not like, Hey, we'll give you $40,000 a year <laughs> to, to be a director for our organization. It's not like that, right? No, not no. at all. Not at all. Not at all. It's your prototypical, uh, be a missionary domestically is yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And so how did you come to that, that yeah. decision? I, you know, I'd actually looked at it growing up, playing sports a ton and I got I was fortunate enough to play baseball in college and my dad has been a lifelong coach so it's this ministry is very near and dear to me because especially as we talk about working with coaches mm-hmm. my dad was that coach still coaches some so before me during me and after me my dad's always been a coach so I've lived in that that coach family household uh, situation so uh, I'd looked at it before because I love sports and as I became a follower of Jesus not just knowing who he was and you know checking the boxes but really really coming to know Christ and follow Christ in college. Uh, this had been something I'd heard about, but never really knew. So I had looked at it previously before I came on staff. And then when I saw that, like, you have to raise your support, I was like, you know, I don't know if that's for me. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know if God's called me to that. And I just, it wasn't the timing. And then lo and behold, about three, four years later, one of my old teammates from a summer ball Legion baseball team, Luke Holt, I don't know if you remember him or not, but he was from the Vandalia area. Mm. He said, hey, let's let's get together and let's have lunch. I want to talk to you more. And I knew he was with FCA, and he had some relationships with our pastors here at our church. And I just didn't know, and we went to lunch, and he said, hey, would this be something you'd be interested in? And said, you know, it's it's an opportunity to, to engage people with the gospel through sport. Uh, I don't know if you have any interest, but it's out there, and we, we'd love to, for you to consider that. And I said, you know, we'll – We'll pursue it as long as God opens that door, and then. But if He shuts it, we won't. And so we started this journey of, let's check it out and see. And He never shut the door. So yeah. here we are, six years later. So yeah. So um, 
in terms of raising your own support, um, what was that like? We are still in the process, and it's been good. It's it's all the above, yeah. and I know you've experienced that through your ministry, and and it's uh, it's one of those hard things because most people probably don't understand all the intricacies of it. You know, they mm -hmm. see it, and then it's like, oh man, that's that's probably really hard, and they're very much right. It is, uh, but it's cool because you see God working through support raising. So you think a lot of times it's you talk to people about the ministry and what God's doing through it. And you're asking them, would you join us financially and support us? And you think it's just them writing a check. But what really blew my mind over six years is the fact how much ministry takes place in the support raising aspect. So it's not just mm -hmm. Sean writes a check for a million dollars to FCA, which if you want to do that later, that'd be great. All right. That'd be great. Yeah. May not cash it for a while though, but I, I wouldn't. But, yeah. <laughs> but but what you realize is in that you build relationships with the people that are supporting the ministry, and as we give updates and we talk to them, you know, it's more than just a newsletter once a month or whatever. But you see them and you, you know, reach out to them, you see them in public. Hey, how's it going? How's life? And like, hey, my mom is not well. Like, you get opportunities to minister to your donors, yeah. and I just never knew that going into it. And now six years later, it's like the donor ministry has become a huge aspect of FCA and it's not really related to coaches and sports and sharing the gospel. It's just related to people being with people and loving them the way Jesus does. And these are your donors. So it's just a really cool area, yeah. but raising sports been very challenging, but the crazy thing is God has continued to provide like, and you see his hand at work where he's doing things that only he can do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I know for me, I, you may, look at a potential donor and like, man, this is the perfect, they'd be the perfect people to give. And then it may never happen or they say no. And then it's very heartbreaking, but you understand. And then there's others where you're like, this is not maybe the, the, the prototypical person to give. And they say, we'd like to give a hundred dollars a month. We'd love to help. And you're like, Whoa, yeah, I did not see that on paper. And God just continues to provide. So that's been, you just learned that we have to trust him and not mm -hmm. necessarily trust our own abilities we know that in sharing the gospel, but also in support raising, it just comes back around where you realize it's up to him. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was always mind blowing to me too, because there were people in my mind that I thought would support that didn't. And then there were people that I didn't even think would have any interest in supporting. And they were some of our largest, Yeah. you know, and it's just, it's weird how that, yeah, how that great. works out. But, yep. um, so one of the things that we like to talk about on here is, is intentional discipleship, right? And so um, what exactly does that look like uh, for FCA? Like what yeah. you, you talked about, you know, it's about discipling children, about discipling coaches, right? So um, kind of the, the nuts and bolts of how you guys are accomplishing that um, through FCA. Yeah, exactly. It, to be honest with you, it's been a uh, ever-growing process. You mm -hmm. know, in 60 years, you know, the focus for a long time was discipleship, but it was primarily through, like, the athletic camps that we'd have, but also through the what we call huddles. You know, and if you played sports, you know what a huddle is, but that's our term for small groups, are huddles. And mm -hmm. those exist for students, but also for, for adults and coaches. And that's where it came for the longest time was, let's go to the kids. Let's go to the kids. And we still there's still elements where we want to do that because we want to reach the kids directly if we can. But as times went on, what we've realized is the coach matters. Yeah. Um, and we live in a culture where we, we tend to focus primarily on the athlete and not on the coach. And, you know, and we forget sometimes that the coaches are 
are people too, you know, that they have hearts and they have souls and, and God wants them to follow him. And, and what we've realized more than anything else is the coach matters because they're the ones leading the kids, you know, in the sport, in the classroom. Like right now, as we're having this conversation, there's coaches in a classroom that have the opportunity to share the gospel and live out the gospel with their students, their athletes, you know, when school's over with, they'll go to practice. Yeah. You know, your daughter will go to practice. My son will go to a game where coaches are there leading their teams, leading mm -hmm. those kids. So I say all that to say, as time has shifted, we still do camps, we still do huddles, but what we're focusing on is those relationships with coaches. And so what we, what we use is a term called E3. And E3 is engage, equip, and empower mm -hmm. coaches. And so what that looks like is one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we've got a few discipleship studies that we, we do, like one's called the core. Right now we're working through a thing called the 12-week challenge, where we're taking coaches through a 12-week study of the gospel and what that means to believe, but also to live that out. And so individually we meet with coaches, and really 1 Thessalonians 2.8 is like, if, if there was, of all the scripture verses, and all of them are amazing because it's God's word, it's the truth, but 1 Thessalonians 2.8 really describes FCA, FCA as far as we love you so much that we share the gospel, but we also shared our lives. Yeah. Walking alongside coaches as we point them to Jesus. And so that is an individual look to it, but also as we talked about having huddles, we have coaches huddles. Mm -hmm. So every week in our area, the three counties I serve, and now as a director, it's a lot larger, but the old footprint of where I served um, of the three counties, we had four coaches huddles. And in typically averaging anywhere from five to 10 coaches. So roughly right about 30 to 40 coaches are coming weekly together to study God's word. And these are some are in schools, some are at a local restaurant, coming together, walking through God's word every single week. Yeah. And still needing the local church. FCA as a parachurch is not there to replace the local church. We need the local church to further disciple, to further be there, to help them grow, to help them worship. We need, we need the local church greatly. Uh, but also, too, we've also realized we want to walk alongside the local church and reaching coaches directly because they have so much influence. And so it really looks two ways with the discipleship of the individual, uh, mm -hmm. but also the group. But that's going to come in engaging coaches, you know, building relationships, get to know them, but engaging them with the gospel, then equipping them as they have a hunger, equipping them with the gospel, walking through God's word, walking through discipleship studies, but also then presenting them opportunities to be empowered. Yeah. And we know that empowerment comes only from God. But also, too, as one of our FCA staffers down south has said, been on staff 20-plus years, said sometimes you, it's good to salt the oats yeah. to make them a little thirsty. You know, like, And I say that in presenting opportunities, like, hey, we have a camp coming up. Hey, we have a huddle coming up. Would you like to be a part of it? You know, Would you like to maybe join me as we go see this other coach's game and building relationships? And it's amazing when you present people opportunities how God spurs us on his spirit as he's working in us just really propels us to like, hey, I need to be a part of that, or I mm -hmm. want to be a part of that. And so it kind of looks like that, the engage, equip, empower is kind of our discipleship process. And again, every person is different. I'd love to say we have a prototypical, just do one, two, three, and we're there. But it, the engage, equip, and empower is kind of the format of what we use to disciple coaches. Hmm. Yeah, so feed the crate, should I work for, right? Yep. It's uh, equip, empower, and encourage. Hmm. So um very very similar yeah very similar so nice. um so is there is there a example um or a success story that yeah. sticks out in your mind that you m might want to share yeah no that's great um uh, you know recently one that has really 
like pierced and kind of convicted me of just God's awesome power mm-hmm. and that it's up to him is, you know, the pandemic's been hard for everybody and it's just affected people in some way, shape or form, no matter how you feel about it and all this went to place. It's just been real hard. But the cool thing is God has still continued to move. Mm-hmm. No pandemic, no nothing is stopping God. Like he is continuing to move like he always does. So it's kind of connected, but two coaches that we've really engaged and worked with uh, is a coach, uh, Rich Nieberge from T-Town and Bill Duckett from Shelbyville. And Rich, I've kind of known because of one of my coworkers, she coached with him. So I kind of knew him, but our relationship started just a couple years ago mm-hmm. while I was on staff at FCA. Bill Duckett is a coach that uh, had some major health issues. I don't, I never knew him from Adam. And anyway, he went through some major, major health issues and Shelbyville was an area that I really had no relationship with too many coaches. I was not from there and didn't know very many people. And so when he had gotten sick, I thought, you know what? God's spirit kind of leading, like, I just need to reach out. Reach out and just, hey, I'm checking on you, praying on and really praying for him and doing that consistently. And from that, I continued to reach out consistently. And kind of like my relationship with Rich, they were different relationships, but both like being engaged, spending time with them, and really pouring into them. And so as time went on, and each took a couple years, and Rich got involved with our local Effingham huddle, coaches huddle. Mm-hmm. So he's been part of that. Well, Bill was one of those relationships. It was just an individual relationship. I'd bring him lunch at school. We'd talk and build a relationship. And I knew he had faith. And so we, we talk about faith. We talk about the impact that coaches have. And so as time went on, both of them about the exact same time through the pandemic, mind you, this is not pre-pandemic, but through the pandemic and the relationship that has been built, we started talking about coaches huddles. Like, what does that look like? What does that, what does that mean? And so we kind of explained it more. So last, um, well, beginning of this year, mm-hmm. so last semester or the, the spring semester, we opened up coaches huddles, one in T-Town, in T-Town school, which was amazing. And then the other one at Shelbyville school. And so because of a relationship with one coach, and it's been really cool once a week during the school year, we get together and we're studying God's word together. And, you know, if you would have said, you know, say a year ago, like, hey, there's going to be 10 plus coaches at T-Town and 10 plus coaches at Shelbyville engage, you know, being equipped with God's word weekly, mm-hmm. I would have been like, you know, it's absolutely possible because God can do anything he wants, but it's going to really take a miracle right now because like, I'm not seeing it on paper. It just doesn't look like God's opened that door, but because of one coach in one area, all of a sudden God put it on their heart and we had a conversation and continue relationship of that sharing the gospel and sharing life. And then all of a sudden those coaches were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try to have coaches settle because of their influence. So they went through talking to their schools, talking to other coaches, funny side note with bill. When we first talked about this, he's like, Hey, I'll talk to some of the coaches, see if they have any interest and I'll get back to you. You know, and as a missionary, you're kind of like, mm. it sounds good. And I mean yeah. like, yeah, like absolutely do it. And I'm thinking, well, I hear back from him, you know, in five minutes, or I hear back from him in like five years. Yeah. Thinking maybe the latter of because coaches are busy like we are. And he he emailed me, emailed me that night. And so yeah. I think we got about twelve coaches. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, yeah. one that he did it and he responded quickly. And then look at the outpouring of because Bill was asking them. And these coaches come not because, hey, we know who Kyle is or Kimball and Michaels, my my teammate with FCA, uh, because of who she is, like they're coming because Rich invited them and they're coming because Bill invited them. They're fellow colleagues and brothers in Christ. And so that's been the cool story here just this year mm-hmm. amidst the pandemic of how God can use one person when he is working in their lives to want to be able to uh, use them to open up and reach so many more people. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I realized quickly it's it's very humbling because it's nothing Kyle did. It's nothing that Kimball did. It's because of what God did, has done. And it's just it's been cool to see him work. So Right. And so um, this this podcast is really directed towards, you know, all Christians in general and like the the non uh, clergy Christian, right? And yeah. so um, you you have some of those people that's like, well, that's your job. Yeah. You, you know, what I mean, like you get paid to do that. Yeah. So, um, but I know Kyle, and you don't just do intentional discipleship at your job. Yeah. And so, um, what what are some things that you have intentionally involved yourself in, um, so that you can reach people with the gospel um, in your personal life as well. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the tricky thing I think you run into when like, this is like your calling is I could be only about FCA. Yeah. And I think that's the scary thing of like, if we're not careful, then everything I do revolves around FCA and tip. I don't know if you ever feel like that, but like too, is being paid vocationally to do it full time. Like if that's all I ever do, then who who am I? You know, like being paid, is it a calling or is it a service? And sometimes that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a slippery slope. And so no, that's great. Like we've been involved with Christ Church for a long time and being a part of small groups and led small groups and that's something that's been, you know, important to us is being a part of small groups. But not only that, but also being part of other like missionary organizations like Feed the Crave has been an amazing part of our lives and like so choosing to support financially. Mm-hmm. I feel like we know that struggle of we know that struggle of like raising support. So we want to be there to raise help others raise their support as well. So financially, uh, being part of small groups has been huge, but, but not only that, but also too, is like being involved, um, like a local mentoring program. We've been, I've been involved with that over the last few years. Um, you know, just a handful of things of like, what we realize is like, we want our lives to reflect Christ in everything we do. And the best thing we can do is build relationships with everyone around us because as Christ moves in our lives and he compels us, the key is that it saturates everyone around them. You know, the thing I always give is I actually used it yesterday, two days ago with some local pastors. We were talking about that is kind of the saturation model. Take a small cup, which is us and take a big cup, which is God. And as he fills us up, what happens is as that cup flows up and fills up, it'll eventually overflow mm-hmm. and everything around you will be saturated. So the question at the end of the day is what is filling you up? It can be your kid's sports schedule, which I know we've been guilty of that at times. It can be um, your work. It can be financial whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be your hobbies. And so we have a lot of things that are trying to fill it. It could be binging Netflix or hunting, yeah. you know. I yeah. know hunting, things yeah. like that. Things Like go, all good things. Everything we'd listed here was not bad. Yeah. So okay things. And then not to mention some of the bad struggles we may face. Those are filling us up. And it's like, is that... Is that what is going to be the reflection of us pouring out to everyone around us who we're building a relationship with, or if it's Christ that's at the center and he's the one filling us up. If that's, if that's what's filling us up, if it's him, then that saturates everyone around us, mm-hmm. like through our relationship with him, but also our relationship with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been the challenge of like, it can't just be FCA is the only Avenue that Kyle Stortzum is making an impact. If that is, that's pretty shallow. Yeah. And I, cause I'm technically receiving support now taking it from a job to a calling is a totally different thing as well. But, but also outside that us being involved in our local church, local missionary agencies, continuing to live out our faith, even like good example, local Starbucks is a great place where I've gotten to know them really well. 
and so there's been some ministry opportunities happen. Touch McDonald's, man. Yeah, I know. I, I had to. I was close here, and I thought I need. <laughs> you some, pointed at it. I know. I, I need some coffee. I need some coffee. So that was. But I'm like, even the minor. What I've realized, it's the little things of building relationships with people that you just you love them the way Jesus does. Yeah. You know, you yeah. just never know, and it's such a small thing. But like, we are called to be a reflection. We're called mm-hmm. to be image bearers of Him. So that may be at the stoplight how we're driving and how we're handling situations. They could be in the line at Walmart. It yeah. could be at Starbucks. It could be helping a buddy with a project. Like, are we being image bearers of Christ in every aspect of our lives? Mm-hmm. Not just when we intentionally choose to, but also, you know, like they say about integrity, integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking, yeah. you know, like, are we living Christ-like lives at all times? Mm-hmm. And so I know it's a long answer, but that's kind of the, you know, I, I, want, I want to kind of piggyback on some of what you said. I've I seen this illustration, and I've, I've used it myself one time, where there's like a serving tray, right? So, like, uh, your server at the restaurant's bringing a tray out that has the food on it or whatever. So it's a tray like that. And so in our lives, a lot of times we will put, you know, like you were talking sports, job, family, you know, whatever. And it's all on this on this tray, right? And then what we do is then we take God and we try to like possibly weave him in there somewhere, right? Like uh, he kind of fits here. <laughs> A little you sliver. Know? Yeah. You know, when, when all reality, like when, when we've submitted our lives, like that tray got cleaned off, mm-hmm. right? He went in the center yep. and then everything else flows out of yep. that. Like we, we have a new identity now yeah. and, and it's, and it's in him and he's the center of who we are, yeah. the epicenter. And so like me as a father, it's through, well, if it was perfect, right. It would be through, <laughs> but you're so close. You're so <laughs> it would be through the, the, the lens of Christ yeah. loving the church you know, whether that's with my children, with yeah. my, with my wife, like this picture of the, of, of God, the father, I, I want my children to see that through me. Yep. Right. And so everything I do, uh, should be flowing out of yeah. who Christ is and what he's done for me. And, and, and so, um, but oftentimes that's what we do is like, we, we put our, our lives are together with all this busyness yeah. and then it's like, well, he kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll fit him in here. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? When it's like, well, he doesn't really fit there because he just, <laughs> you know, took time out of the sports or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, um, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to truly bear, uh, the name of Christian mm-hmm. unless it has permeated every part of our life. Yeah. You know? Because that's that's really what uh, it means to be a Christian, is you yeah. know, a follower of Christ. So therefore, like every part of your life is going to look different. Yeah. Now because of it, I had a pastor friend share that same thing. Like, as it's a lifestyle. Hmm. It's that he's involved. He is the core of everything we do. So I used to, when I was really just walking through the motions as being a follower of Christ, like I would plug him into spots of like, hmm. okay, now I'm going to go to the Bible study. So I got to put my Jesus hat on. Yeah. Like, and now I'm going to share him. But then am I still living that out when I go out and play golf with my buddies? Yeah. Or go hunting, or I'm going to my kid's volleyball game or football game. You know, we kind of plug in intentionality of when we want to be that person. And it took me a long time to realize this, but God has continued to soften my heart of it's a walk with him. 
that mm-hmm. lifestyle of, of following Jesus daily. And so if I'm going to the Bible study, yes, like Jesus is the core of who I am. But if I'm going to play golf with my buddies, guess what? If I'm truly a follower of Jesus, he's the core of who I am as I go play golf. Yeah. He's the core of who I am when I go watch my son's football game. You know, like, so that's really shifted my focus of discipleship is all the time. Yeah. And, and it, but it takes intentionality as well. And there's people that God has placed in your life specifically to walk with that journey of discipleship, of, of leading people to him. But also, too, is just even the people that you may never get a chance to build a relationship with, like, you know, the people I know at Starbucks that I go through, I'm, we're building a relationship, but it'll never be super deep. But I still have a chance there because of Christ being at the core of me to point them to Jesus by the way I interact. Mm-hmm. Is there something different about me and the way I respond, talk to them, take interest in their life? That's been one thing that I've tried to do a better job of. Like, I know it's not technically discipleship, but being an image bearer when I'm at line at Walmart, take an interest in that person's life. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, how often does the world take interest in anybody's life? Mm. Especially like say Walmart, that's pretty yeah. tense, pretty yeah. tense, especially when people are in a hurry, ticked off yeah. or like Starbucks, they mess up, like they mess up an order or something happens. And you see like the barista almost in tears because they just got cussed out because yeah. of, because of a coffee. Right. And you're like, man, that's, I'm just like, Hey, thank you for all you do. I appreciate like a simple thank you and all that. Like, we never know how God can use that to be something more. Mm-hmm. And so it's really shifted my focus of evangelism, discipleship. Of It's a lifestyle of Christ being at the core of everything we do. And it's hard because a lot of times we don't want to let him in certain spots. Like, say, like yeah. sports with our kids. We want to be like, I want to yell at the referee. <laughs> like, you know, I want to get right. frustrated with people. Like, but that's not who God's called me to be, you know. So it's, it's, uh, it's real. Yeah. 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 I was just, uh, I was talking to a group of high schoolers and, and one of the things that, that, uh, I'm really passionate about is identity one, because I think, uh, that's something that I struggled with, uh, when I was younger. And so, uh, I was talking to him about the freedom in Christ when you actually surrender yourself to him. One, uh, that you're no longer trying to prove yourself to anybody because Christ proved everything that needed to be proved on the cross. And like, so, uh, I'm seen as, as holy and righteous and, and loved by God, just as a son is, you know? And, and so, uh, and then this, um, you know, fearing the fearing of other people, like God is a glorious God and I don't have to, I don't have to fear what Kyle Stortzum thinks, as long as I'm doing what God desires in my life, you know, it's, he's the one that I fear. And so if you're like. Uh, Sean, you're so stupid for, you know, whatever. Yeah. As as long as as I know I'm doing yeah. what God desires of me, it doesn't matter what the world says. That's huge. You know, and and so uh, that is, yeah, that that's so huge in in moving beyond uh, this world secular view and focusing on the greater things. Uh, the spiritual things that lie yeah. right here on this earth. And, yep. and so, so what, um, if you were to give one item that is like for intentional discipleship, for discipling someone, for reaching yeah. um, one attitude or, um, you know, personal attribute uh, that that in order to reach people, mm-hmm. you need to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. 
uh, well, not X, Y, Z, just X, I guess. Uh, one yeah. thing, okay. right? Uh, what would that be? Okay. Well, we've been studying, uh, and this is a pretty quick answer, but we've been studying the last few weeks out of uh, Mark 2, yeah. the story of the paralyzed man. And I love that story on multiple levels. But there was a story that really just like pierced me with that of, you know, Jesus is the main character always. And then you have the paralyzed man. Well, then there's some, there's some other people involved in the middle, and it's the four men who take the man to Jesus. And I heard a pastor share one time and it made his devotion and it hit me about seven, eight years ago. And it just, it literally pierced me of like, wow, that's, that's discipleship. Yeah. That's being Christ-like. And the three points he brought out about that story is if you look at the paralyzed men, they showed up, they were available, you know, like they still had lives. They still had things going on. They had a travel ball game. You know, I was joking with my coaches. They had a, probably a travel ball game at Jerusalem stadium for their son that day or they had work or they had whatever else, but they still showed up. Mm -hmm. They still showed up and picked up the mat. And so who are you picking up the mat for in your life? And because God's given us all people in our circles of walk and for us working with coaches, a lot of coaches for us, but for everyone, every believer, he's given people to be a part of our lives. So who are you picking the mat up for? The next part was when you get to the house and it's packed full, the world would typically say like, sorry, man, not your day, Sean. You're not getting in like yeah. packed house. You can't make it. But the reality of it was they wouldn't take no for an answer because they knew who Jesus was and they knew how bad their friend needed Jesus. Mm -hmm. So they dig a hole through the roof. So they're willing to take risks because of how much they care for their friend, but ultimately how much they love Jesus. And then the last thing is, is they're standing before the son of God, knowing what he's done as he preaches, teaches, heals, casts out demons, you name it. And I'm like, those four men had things wrong in their lives. Like they had struggles, heartaches, maybe marriage struggles, financial struggles, you name it. But do you hear anything about their lives and their struggles and needing a savior to, to save them and help them? You don't hear a word. They put their friend first. Like it, it mm -hmm. was about healing the paralyzed man. And so they, they, at the end of the day, they were a blessing. Yeah. And so I say all that to say the one thing, and there's three things there, but the one thing I think is key, especially in today's world, is be available. Yeah. You got to show up. Because we live in a world that's sometimes people just show up, don't show up because they don't want to. They really don't like, well, if it's super convenient, uh, maybe. But will they show up? Mm -hmm. And like, and the problem is the world doesn't typically, even if it's easy, that sometimes they won't. But then a lot of times when it gets hard, they definitely won't. And then at the end of the day, like the third part of being a blessing, at the end of the day, people may show up and even when it's tough, but at the end of the day, their wants and interests are still going to bleed out. Yeah. When we should be putting other people forward. And as God moves in our lives as followers of Jesus, when we just show up and we show up consistently in people's lives, that matters. Yeah. Because we live in a culture that does not show up. Yeah. And if it does, it's hit and miss, but it's not consistent. And I don't know about you, but like I kind of realize as time goes on that like if we can just as God moves in our lives and we continue to show up, he's gonna saturate everything around us. Mm -hmm. And and it's sad to think that, you know, like when we were growing up as kids, you know, twenty plus years ago, and for our parents, showing up was something that was pretty common. Whether you were a believer or non-believer, people showed up. People stopped yeah. by, had a conversation at your house. Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. Stopped at the coffee shop to say, hey, how you doing? Or going to a ball game. Hey, we just wanted to see Johnny's game. But today we live in such a busy culture, people can't even show up anymore. Yeah. And especially when it's hard, especially when they have to be a blessing to somebody else. So that would be my first one is you got to start with the first one. Before you can be there when it's hard and when you can be a blessing, you just got to show up. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, you know, um, that 
that's a tough one because you know you have the saying here time's money mm. right can't get it back and and that's the thing is like time is is precious it is a precious thing and people take note when you take the time yeah. right because they understand it too yeah yeah <laughs> and so um that's one of the things is it's like you know, you can, you can lull yourself into the going, well, I'm available, you know, these times, but truly availability is like, it doesn't matter what I have going on when you need me, I'm going to be there. Yeah. That's being available. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. Well, the cool thing about that too, real quick is like the thing at the end of the day, the reason you do those three things that those four men did that is because that's exactly who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Jesus is always available. Jesus is always, he's the greatest risk, risk taker of all time. And ultimately, he's the greatest blessing of all time. When he hung on that cross for us, he wasn't hanging up there for himself. Right. He didn't have to die for his own sins. Like, he was dying for us. And so as we do those things, just like those four men, they're following Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we do that. We show up because that's what Jesus does. Yeah. And I think that's the key is, like, man, it's so simple as that. If we do that consistently every day, letting him lead us, like, man, that, that's powerful. It'll change the world. That's what Jesus does. Yeah, for so. sure. Hey, Kyle, thanks for being here. It was, it was awesome. And you guys, you heard it from Kyle. Be available. Intentionally make yourself available to those around you so that you can saturate them with the gospel. So till next time, hey, uh, thank you guys for watching, and uh, we'll see you soon.